that is the best sermon introduction video I have ever seen. So I don't expect it to take your breath away, but let me just tell you, that is uh, the best depiction of uh, the series that we're kicking off today on habits. Um, In case you were here last Sunday, um, just so you know, the title that was advertised uh, has changed. It wasn't incorrect. Uh, Ivan didn't mess up. Thank you, Ivan. Um, I just, when I saw this video about 10 days ago, I was like, okay, we've got to change the title of the series. So the series was going to be Rhythms Greater Than Resolutions, because I know a lot of us start the year off with resolutions, which means we start the year off with hopes um, and, and maybe some kind of big intentions, big goals, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, in fact, the challenge is if intentions were, you know, if good intentions were good enough, we would all be beasts, like in a good way. Like we'd all be killing it. We'd all be just doing everything we want to do, achieving everything we want to achieve. We, we want to, we'd be who we want to be. Um, but we know that, in fact, in fact, a lot of surveys suggest that most New Year's resolutions, I think 93% of New Year's resolutions have failed by Valentine's Day. That's the 14th of Feb. That's like six weeks. So, so and I mean, it makes sense. Um, hope is not a strategy, right? Hope is not a strategy. We, we actually need rhythms. We need practices, whatever you want to call it, but it all comes down to habits. It is our habits that are actually going to direct us towards the life that I believe God wants for us. Um, I love this quote by Gary Keller, who wrote a book called The One Thing. He says that people do not decide their futures, they decide their habits, and their habits decide their futures. Should we just close in prayer? We can send you guys home. I don't know if there's a topic that has burdened me much more. I mean, there, there are a few areas, but this, is, this has been one of the biggest um, challenges, personal challenges and burdens for me over the last couple of years. I don't know if I've read more than on this area and, and this topic um, because I'm so desperate uh, for us to, to experience the life that Jesus has actually bought for us. So, so he paid an incredibly high price. Um, I believe that he's ushered in freedom for anyone that would take it. So, so, so he's paid the price spiritually so that you are set free. You're no longer a victim. You're no longer a prisoner. Um, but we have a whole lot of growing to do in terms of our own minds, in terms of our own hearts, emotional maturity, um, relationships, etc. And, and so much of that actually comes down to habits. Uh, Craig Rochelle, who we actually got this video from, Craig Rochelle in Life Church, um, he makes this one quote, which I love. He says, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently. So, so all of us tend to have great uh, intentions, um, and so we, we, we occasionally do the right things, but, but, the, but the difference, so people that are experiencing um, breakthrough that is sustained. Um, marriages that grow from strength to strength decade in and decade out. It's not because they're lucky. It's not because they married the perfect person. There is no such thing. I promise. There's probably no statement that I've said more at weddings than this statement that, that, that you will not have a great marriage because of how compatible you are, but because of the, the, the extent to which you're able to work through the incompatibilities. We are different. We all come with baggage. So, so your, your marriage, your relationships with your kids, your relationships with your parents, your relationship with friends, um, your ability to, to do well in your studies, um, your, your physical health habits, your emotional habits, these are all things that come down to the way that we have 
programmed or allowed ourselves to be programmed. We all have habits. We just don't necessarily recognize them all. And we might not be that intentional about all of them. And I want to encourage you over the next few weeks that God has actually given us the ability. God has given us, God actually wants to give us the vision to, to, to not just have the goal in mind, but to actually give us bite-sized chunk steps to take. So nothing that's going to overwhelm you. In fact, I think that the overwhelming radical steps that we take are often the ones that land up, uh, we land up failing, falling short, we get discouraged, we become disillusioned, and we wait for 1st of January 2020. And then we hit repeat, and then we wait for 1st of January 2021. So that's why I love, I love the, the kind, of, kind of the title underneath it, that it's the small disciplines that ultimately land up giving you the big results. And that's why even the imagery of the, of the many, many, many small dominoes. You see, we, we, we see people that seem to hit the, the final boards over. We're like, sheesh, they're amazing. Or they must really be tight with God. Or God must like them more than me. Or, or they must just have been born blessed. But it's actually the people that persevere for weeks, months, in many cases, years, just, just doing the right little things over and over again, where then suddenly, and I can't tell you when, but suddenly it's like the bigger board gets knocked over, the bigger board gets knocked over, the bigger, and all of a sudden you have this, this, this big result, but it's because we were patient with the consistent, small disciplines. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. I don't know about you, but that is challenging the junk out of me at the moment. Just that idea. So, so we can all do them, but am I doing them consistently or am I only doing them occasionally? And so over the next few weeks, I'm wanting you to ask three questions that I feel like God's been working on me. Uh, so, so the last, you know, while, so kind of towards the end of last year, I was already starting to work out some, some thoughts for this year, just personally, and some goals and, and things like that. And again, I, I want to be able to see the steps so that it's not just a thing of hope. And I really felt like he was challenging me to ask the following questions. What does God want me to believe? Who does he want me to become? And how does he want me to behave? What does he want me to believe? Who does he want me to become? How does he want me to behave? Because for the most part, we kind of jump to the behavior. But if we don't know who we're trying to become, we just become distracted with what we need to get done. And what you need to get done, in inverted commas, is not always going to lead to who God wants you to become. And in order for me to become who God wants me to become, I need to believe what God wants me to believe. So today's topic, which is very simple, very short, um, is I'm wanting to focus on, on the area of beliefs and, and beliefs as a habit. And by the way, just in case you're one of those extra credit people and you want a couple of uh, you know, extra things to, to read, etc., we've got a, a few books that will help you, especially in, in the topic. Well, we don't have it. I'm just suggesting them. Just so you know, we don't have a resource area. But, but this book by Dr. Caroline Leaf, who's a neuroscientist, um, Switch On Your Brain, is a really hectic, like it's just, I feel stupid when I read the book, but, 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 if, but if I can slow down enough and, 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 and understand the principle, she's explaining the science behind how we actually can change our thinking and develop uh, the habits um, that, that God wants us to develop. So she is, she's a highly regarded neuroscientist, but she also happens to be a really passionate, strong uh, Christ follower. And so she, and so she correlates. She, she shows the scriptures, etc., about renewing the mind. Then as far as uh, becoming, and we'll talk a little bit more about this next week. We mentioned this at the beginning of last year, but this book uh, called Living Forward 
by Michael Hyatt really helps you kind of answer the, the, the why, the why behind the what questions. So, so who do I want to become? What kind of um, young adult do I want to be if I'm a teenager? Or what kind of, what kind of career do, do I think God wants me to have? And what, what is it, what's that going to look like? Or what kind of father or husband do I want to be or wife? Or, or what kind of contribution do I, do I want to make to society? In fact, it actually takes you through 10 key areas. And we'll tell you a little bit more about that next week. And then there are a bunch of books around habits. We'll have them up on the screen if you want to take a screenshot. But this one in particular, Atomic Habits, is just so simple so practical, and, and the reason for the term atomic is because it's the smallest uh, cell, is that right? Smallest, it's the smallest whatever. At, uh, an, an atom is the smallest thing, molecule, I don't know what you call it. So, so, so it's these really, really small habits done consistently that bring breakthrough. So we'll, we'll remind you of these over the next few weeks, but that's just in case you're like me and you get distracted and you already want to read ahead and find out a whole bunch more. So today I want to just kind of answer the question about our beliefs, because what I believe will determine who I become. What I believe will determine who I become. So if you don't like who you have become, I promise you it's a result of what you've allowed yourself to believe. If you don't like yourself, if you don't like who you have become, if you're not happy with your identity, it's because you've probably allowed yourself to believe a lie or a series of lies. And by the way, I think all of us would have some, some degree of that. We, we, I, think, I think the biggest battle that goes on in our minds is one of identity. It's one of, of, of um, trying to, to actually get a developer, a biblical worldview where we are understanding who God has made us to be both generally and uniquely. So there is a general sense where we can encourage one another with, with the habits, our corporate habits, in terms of who God's made us to be who God wants us to become. But then, there's, but then there are those unique parts, your personality, your experiences that, that, that you've had that are unique to you that God wants to use and where the enemy might want to just whisper discouragement and lies and where God's saying, no, no, I don't want to waste your pain. I want to, I want to do something good with the bad that's happened in your life. And, and where you might be distracted with, well, why do they seem to have been born into that kind of family? Why was I born into this family? And where God said, no, 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 you, you're not a victim. I, I, I placed you there for a purpose. There's a re- so, so what I believe will determine who I become. In fact, Michael Hyatt, not in this book, but in another book um, called Your Best Year Ever, also talks about limiting beliefs, dealing with our limiting beliefs and replacing them with liberating truths before we're going to make any progress. So unless we actually start changing the way we think, we're never going to change who it is that we are becoming. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if you're going to keep feeding this perception that you are a victim, that you are hard done by, that, 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 that this is all out of my control, your life is going to follow that direction. And you know what's interesting is that you're going to prove yourself right. That's what's scary. You're going you're to wake up one day and, see, and say, you see, I told you so. And I think the angels are like in heaven, like shaking their heads, thinking, no, it didn't have to be like that. Like you've taken yourself there. You've so convinced yourself that that's your lot in life, that that's, that that's how it's always going to be. My only goal today is where necessary to help us change our thinking habits 
or to strengthen our thinking habits if you already have healthy thinking habits. What I believe will determine who I become. Romans 12 verse 2 is probably the best known passage in the Bible on this, uh, around this principle. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How does God want to transform us? By changing the way we think. You might say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, surely God wants me just to behave differently. Well, he, that's going to be the fruit. Yes, that's part of the full picture. God wants us to behave a certain way. But, but, but not as, a, not as a, an end in itself. It's as, as not out of a legalistic thing. God wants it to be as, a, as, a, as an overflow. He wants it to be a fruit of who I am becoming, which is a fruit of what I am believing. God changes us. He transforms us by changing the way we think. And that's why even over the next 21 days, I can I get on my knees? I am begging you. You want to have a different year? You want to have a different year? You, you, you want to have a healthier year? A year where you're not just surviving, but, but where you're thriving? I am begging you over the next 21 days. I'm not asking you to kill yourself off. Don't go on a hunger strike. I, I'm just saying, you respond to what you know is instinctively wisdom. Like, like the moment the Holy Spirit just, just taps you on the shoulder and prompts you, just, just commit to cutting something out that's going to help you tune into God more, where, where, you will, where you'll stop feeding your mind on some of the junk that we, and I include myself, that we feed our minds on, and where just for three weeks we'll give extra focus towards life-giving thoughts. So... It means that we evaluate what we're reading and what we're watching and who we're listening to. You, you may need to fast some of your friends for the next 21 days. See, what's funny is that some of you think I'm joking. For some of us, the single biggest habit that will change our lives this year is to change who we hang out with. Many of you have heard the, the phrase, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You will become like the people you hang out with and the stuff that you read or listen to because, because it's what you're, it's, I will become what I believe. So I can't encourage you enough. I'm not asking you to punish yourself. I'm saying, why don't you actually release yourself into something that is healthy and life-giving? So that's why it's not just a case of cutting something out. I'm saying, this, this period of three weeks, why don't you read a bit of the Bible? If, you, if you're not used to reading the Bible, start reading the Bible, even if it's five minutes a day. If you are into a habit of reading the Bible, read a bit more or, or give yourself an extra five or ten minutes to reflect more because reading the Bible won't change your life. Reflecting on the Bible will change your life. The Bible is not there for information. The Bible is there for transformation. You've got people in universities around the world that will teach you on the Bible. They'll teach you a master's or a doctorate of divinity, and they're not Christians. So they can do it academically, but it hasn't changed their lives. We need to reflect on the Bible. Or maybe, or maybe your habit to allow some of your thinking to change is to spend just a little bit more time in prayer. Or if you're already doing all that, so you're reading, you're praying, then I want to encourage you to start experimenting with the idea of silence. Where you actually just, you just sit quietly for a couple of minutes before you start the work of reading or the work of prayer. Where you can just sit still and before you have to perform, before you have to produce, you just actually allow yourself to be present with God and allow the reality to set in that, God, you love me before I'm doing something that's worthwhile. 
Like before I'm proving myself, before I'm pleasing you, you love me? Like we're okay, just me sitting here with you? Really? For some people, that's, for me, last year, that was probably the single most life-changing habit that I started to implement, was just actually slowing down to enjoy God before becoming productive with God. So, a couple of things that I would love for us to, 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 to believe or to change if necessary. Just three quick ideas. Number one is to actually believe that change is possible. Now, for some of us, that's like, yeah, okay. But for others, that's a significant mindset shift. To actually believe that I don't have to be, that I don't have to be who I've always been. That I don't have to be what my family has always been, what my heritage, what, what, what the lineage, or that addiction. Or it's, I'm not saying it'll be easy, but I'm saying un- unless we believe it's possible, you can scrap everything else. We're saying the rest of today and the next few weeks. To actually believe that it is genuinely possible. I love this um, story of Heather Kempf. Um, she, this is her married name. There, there was a, uh, she, she had a maiden name at the time. But she, she is a, an American athlete, a top athlete, in fact. And she was running a 600-meter race, an indoor 600-meter race, several years ago. Um, where she had just gone to the front. So for those of you that know anything about athletics, I know very little, but I know enough to know that a 600-meter race, like for me, 600 meters would be a jog. For them, it's a sprint. I don't know how you sprint 600 meters. I would die. I'd cough up a lung, okay? But somehow they sprint for 600 meters. She had just moved to the front, and with 200 meters left to go, her, her feet entangled with the runner behind her, and she tripped and fell, and everyone passed her. By, by quite a chunk, actually. Now, now, if she was in the habit of believing that when I fall, I have failed, she would have stayed down. But because she was in a habit of thinking that when you fall, you get up and you run even harder, she got up, and literally with 200 meters left, now some of you know that 200 meters is not a long space in running. With 200 meters left to go, with the crowds going bananas, she passes the person that is lost, then she passes the next person, and in the last second, she passes the person that's winning, and she wins the race. If she was in the habit of believing that when I fall, I have failed, she would have just stayed down. But because because there was a habit, because she's an athlete where you train yourself to think a certain way, and you and no matter even if you're gonna come last, you put in your best effort until until you have finished. So I want to encourage you, no matter how many times you have fallen, unless you're dead, the only time you have failed is when you stay down. So we have to actually believe that it's possible and that we can keep getting back up. Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23 talks about something that Christians call the fruit of the spirit. Which, which basically means that, that when, we follow, when we're following Jesus, the Holy Spirit actually starts to produce this kind of fruit in our lives. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That means that it's actually within my control. It doesn't say it produces God control. It says it produces self-control. He's saying it is possible to change your life. It is possible to change an area in your life. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. In other words, you actually have the power to change. It is possible. Someone said to me a year or two ago, you're not a tree. Move. 
Like you can do something. You can change. Philippians 2 verse 3. Sorry, verse 13. It says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. He gives us the desire. Like He actually gives us the will in the first place, the vision, the, the motivation. And God offers us the power. But He doesn't override our bodies and our brains. He, he, he gives us the responsibility to put the things in place, to commit to the processes, to commit to the habits. And just as a side note, I really wanted to emphasize this for, for maybe for, for the few people that have maybe been in church for a long time. Maybe you've heard something about this, this term called uh, generational curses, and maybe you believe that you're under a generational curse. I can't tell you strongly enough how much I disagree with that. How much I believe that that's, an, that that's an unbiblical teaching if you're a Christian. And some people will quote verses out of the Old Testament, and I understand, but again, that's why we study and read it in context, and read it in the context of the whole book and the whole Old Testament and then the whole Bible. But even in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 18, if that's all you need to take away from this today, is go home and read the full chapter of Ezekiel chapter 18. I don't have time to give you the whole chapter, but just verse 2 alone God, through his prophet Ezekiel, is saying, Why do you quote this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The parents have eaten sour grapes, but their children's mouths pucker at the taste. I know that hasn't given you a revelation, but just to quickly unpack, what he's saying is, stop telling me that you are under a curse because of what your parents have done. Stop telling me that you are bound by the curse. So I'm not saying that there aren't generational consequences. I'm not saying that there aren't generational learned behaviors. I'm not saying that, we, that we're not the product of our families. Of course we are. We have, we have all been raised up in a certain way of thinking, but it's within our control to change the way we're thinking. And so that passage continues to say that if you make the right decisions, God's going to bless you and honor you. If, if, that, if that person who's righteous has an evil son and they, and they diss God and, and, and walk away against him, they're going to suffer the consequences of it. But then if that evil son has a good son, God's going to bless him. So what I'm trying to say is don't believe the lie that this is my lot because of what my grandfather did or my great-grandmother did. Um, they were a witch or they were an alcoholic or this. And so that's just who I am. I, wanted, I need you to believe that change is possible. Again, one of the reasons to, to debunk that from a spiritual point of view is 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, where it says that this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, in other words, if you have started to follow Jesus, if you've, if you've allowed him to forgive you, to wash you clean of your past, to, to break the chains, the, the, the power of sin over your life, then you have become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has become. If you're a Christian, it is throughout the Bible, but specifically Romans 6 and Romans 8 tells us that the power of sin, so that power of, of addiction, it's actually broken from a spiritual point of view. We just need to get our minds to catch up to the spiritual truth because what I believe will determine what I become. So I'd love for you just for a moment just to pause and just to ask yourself what one truth, what one truth does God want you to believe is possible? What one truth does God actually want you to believe is possible? I think some of us would be shocked. I think some of us would be, I think some of us would be tempted to laugh 
if, if we actually allowed God to show us what is possible as we trust Him, as we surrender to Him, as we obey Him in 2019, as we, as we commit to the right next step habits that are going to produce great results. The second thing I'd love for you to believe, the only three, don't worry, is that God promises results. God promises results. Like they're guaranteed. It's not if, but, or maybe. You will experience results. Full stop. Galatians 6 verse 7, very well-known passage says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man will reap what he sows. So the results are guaranteed. We just don't like all of the results. But if we don't like the results, then I have to look at what I've been sowing. I have to look at what I've been putting into that. And I know that this is tough for some of us to think about because, because again, it's so hard for us to feel like we have a choice or that we're in control. And, and, and I'm not trying to belittle any significant challenges that you're facing, mountains that you're facing. But I want us to catch ourselves. You see, it's a habit. It's a habit that we have to develop, where we, where, we, where we resist any habit of feeling like we're a victim, which means that, that, that going forward, it's all out of my control. And I'm not saying that you haven't been a victim to certain things, but you don't have to live like a victim. That was one of the toughest things for God to get out of the Israelites when he took them out of slavery, where they'd been in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. It took another 40 years to get Egypt out of them. And by the way, that's, that's not the only thing, but that's one of the goals of the freedom curriculum is to help us change our thinking. It's to help us change our identity and to realize who God is, how free we are, and how to actually walk in that. So how do we forgive? How do we speak? How do we think? What are some of the habits that we can put into place? How much does God love me? How do I respond to that love? These are all things that affect our habits of thought. Whatever we feed grows, whatever we starve dies. So here's the question. What small discipline do you need to commit to in order to see a big difference? If you believe that it will guarantee a result, if you believe that it will bring change, is there, and and, and I know, again, if your personality is anything like mine, you want to write down like 37 things. I'm not suggesting 37 things. I'm saying is there maybe one, one first tile that'll be the domino that will eventually affect the others? Is there one key area? So I'm asking you to ask God. God, is there, what, is, what is one habit that I can commit to and persevere with that's eventually going to show results? What one area in your life would make the biggest change this year? Third and last, the area that I want us to believe is that progress requires perseverance. Progress requires perseverance. I would love to tell you that there's a quick fix. I'd love to tell you that there's a silver bullet. We, we all want to buy that pull that makes you lose 20 kilos in two weeks. We, 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 all, we, all want to, we all want to put that little investment in that's going to produce a 300% return. We, 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 we all want to find that magical way to study that means we only need like an hour a week and we're going to get the degree that we want. Guys, there is nothing significant. And you can read all the books, like all the right books, like intelligent books on habits and goals. And they're going to tell you the same thing. There are no quick fixes. 
It requires patient perseverance. And that's where it gets messy. It's messy in the middle. We want to quit in the dip. Because we start thinking, well, I've, well I've, 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 I've tried to be friendly to my wife three times in the last month, and nothing's changed. Or, or well, you know, I, I said no to that chocolate the other day. I haven't lost anything. No, no. It's going to take time. There are atomic habits. There are small disciplines that are going to take time. Remember what Craig Rochelle says? Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. I just, I just want to encourage you. God only has great plans for your life. I just think what gets in the way is that we don't want to persevere to actually experience it. We give up. Sometimes when we're just around the corner from actual breakthrough. So that passage that we read a moment ago goes on in uh, verse 9. So Galatians 6 verse 9 to say, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Or maybe another way of saying it is just don't give up. Even if you get tired, like suck it up, princess. Hang in there. Keep pushing. Keep persevering. Put your big boy pants on. If we don't get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. Jason, when's the right time? I have no idea. For someone, it might be three months. For someone else, it might be three years. I don't know. God knows. Remember, he's the one that won't be mocked. You can mock me, because I'm not going to be right a lot of the time. But God won't be mocked. You will reap what you sow if we don't give up, if we don't get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That is true of your relationship with God. So as I persevere through a reading plan, as I, and, and, and even if the first long while you feel like you're just reading the telephone directory, I want to encourage you, persevere. Yeah. If you find that you're trying to pray and you're trying this whole silence mumbo-jumbo that Jason's been on about, just persevere. Yeah. Or if you've been to a life group and you're like, they ain't friendly. I thought they were supposed to like, love people. They don't seem to love people. Persevere. Try another group. You don't have to, you don't have to marry the first group you find. Like data group, Date another group, find a group that you feel like you can do life with going forward. But don't give up on the principle. Persevere in your marriages. Persevere with what you you know God is telling you. And again, I know that there are exceptions to all these things. I'm saying when God is speaking, persevere. He won't be mocked. You'll reap what you sow. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in doing good. Um, There's another book. Uh, on the shelf there, we had it up earlier, called The Compound Effect. Um, I paid my daughter to read this book, by the way, <laughs> which I thought would motivate her. It cost me more than I expected, and it took longer than I had hoped. But I can't tell you how many times she's referred back to it. This was when she was 13. Because something about this, and, and, and the whole idea is just this thing of perseverance. It's just persisting. It's just persisting, persisting, persisting. As we keep doing the little things eventually, so you know, uh, many of you, that, that if you're putting money into a pension or retirement annuity, for, for the longest time it feels like nothing's happening. Hey, And then all of a sudden, boom, it's like it builds momentum. And it actually, and compound interest kicks in. And, and this compound effect starts to take place. And he makes the statement that small disciplines plus consistency plus time equal big changes. Small disciplines plus consistency plus time equals big changes. Just keep doing that small thing. 
even if you feel like, yeah, but Jason, I want to change a lot more of my life than just the one thing. How's it worked for you in the past? If it's worked for you, great. If it hasn't, then I'm saying do it differently this year. Commit to one small area. Do it consistently. Give it time. You will see big results. He gives an example in the book of, um, of a person having a choice, and many of you would have heard this illustration before, of where you can take $3 million today, or you can take one cent today and have it double every day for 31 days. Like, which would you rather take? Now, those of you that are mathematically minded, you say, I'll take the next one, like the second one. Okay. The, the idea is that right up until I think it's day 30, or day, day 29, the person who, who, who took the, the lump sum had way more than the person who took the smaller amount and just allowed it to keep doubling. But on day 30, he overtakes the person with the 3 million, and by day 31. So, so at that point, it just takes one more day where it becomes something like 10 point something million dollars. And I know some of you can't wait to go and do the math. It works, I promise. One becomes two, becomes four, becomes eight. You know, it just, it'll, it'll eventually build up. And it's the same idea. I know that all of us want this, this quick result, this quick fix. This might sound so strange that your pastor's telling you this year, don't be in a rush. That, 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 I'm, that I'm encouraging you to actually slow down and not try and change your life completely in a week. This might encourage you or surprise some of you. Like even the 21 days of prayer, don't, like, it's not going to change everything in your life. Fasting and focusing for 21 days, it's going to be the beginning of a change. And that's why we'd love for you to maintain those habits as you're going to the remainder of the year. So a little bit of homework, some of the stuff that we would... Sorry, first the question. I know there was a question there. What one habit is God encouraging you to persevere with? Think about that for 10 seconds. What one habit? Because maybe you started one and you've already failed at it. I'm saying, that's fine. Just get back up again. There's a difference between falling and failing. Just get back up. Try again. Is there one habit that God wants you to persevere with this year? couple of next steps before I pray for you. Some suggestions from my side that I would love for you to commit to in terms of habits is actually make church a habit. And you might think, well, that's obvious. You're the pastor. I don't get commission on how many people come to church, just so you know. My only, my only responsibility is to try and equip and encourage and strengthen the people that God entrusts to us. I'm telling you that making church a habit to, so, so that you don't flip a coin on a Saturday night or see what the weather's doing in the morning. I'm saying, were you saying, okay, if nothing else, I'll just make it to church for the next three weeks. Let me just hear out the series. I would, I'm telling you, long term, my life has been changed because of church being a habit in my life. I, 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 that's just the truth. So make church a habit. Make relationships a habit. So that's why we encourage you to get into a, a, a life group. So if you haven't signed up yet, before you leave today, fill out a form, put it into the anything box. So get into a life group. And thirdly, I really want you to take seriously this opportunity of the 21 days of um, fasting and focus. And so actually the main reason why these things are up here is some of you know these things are called bookends, right? Or book stops, I don't know. But anyway, you've got these bookends that, that are on either side of, of a set of books on a shelf. Now the idea is that you don't always have that much control over what happens during your day. But most of us have control over the bookends. Most of us have control over how we start our day and how we end our day. 
And so I want to encourage you over the next 21 days to take responsibility for the bookends. And so this isn't, again, this isn't something that everyone has to do, but I want to encourage some of you where this, where this registers with you to commit to the following practices in the morning and the evening. The first one, we'll have this, the, the scripture up on the screen, is to reflect for five minutes, to reflect on what we know as the Lord's Prayer. So Matthew chapter 6. And, and again, not just to read this, like our, especially if you grew up in school, it's like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, and you don't even understand the language. I'm saying, no, no, rather, rather stop and, and reflect on it. Our Father's in heaven, may your name. So just, so just worship him for a moment. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God, today, as I'm going into this day, help me to recognize your will. Help me to respond to your will. Please give us everything that we need. Like, you're allowed to ask God. That's okay. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Keep a very short account with God and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So God, please, would you help? Like, like lead me away from temptation today. Like, lead me far, 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 far away. Help me not to give in. If, if you just reflect on that in the morning. In fact, some of you could even get into a habit where you do it before you even get out of bed. Imagine you actually start your day. The first thing you're doing is, good morning, God. Lord, help me to bring you glory today. Help me to love on you today. You are so kind. Thank you for a new day. Anyway, the evening, I want to recommend what we call the prayer of examine. I know that's not how you think you're going to spell it, but it's called the prayer of examine, found in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, where it says, Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I don't think that there are any two passages of Scripture that I've prayed more than these two passages. Sometimes I'll be driving home in the, like after work in the evening, and I'm like, God, search me. No more. God, is there anything? Like, like, thank you that you know me. Test me. Lord, like, how do you feel about the way I've behaved today, things I've done, thought, said? Point out anything in me that offends you, please. And please lead me on the path of everlasting life. Anyone ever pray certain things a little bit quieter and other things a little bit louder? Anyway, come, stand with me. Let me pray with you. Those are just a couple of practical suggestions of how you can start your year and where, honestly, without this being a weird, cheap, cheesy cliche, where 2019 can be your best year, not because you have good intentions, not because you've made great resolutions, but because you're willing to persevere with a God who will not be mocked, where you believe that it is possible that He will bring results and that as you persevere, you will see these incredible results.